Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Uncast. As usual, I'm your host, Jonathan Panazzo, and today is going to be a bit of a shorter episode and not really focused at all on Unraid itself. Uh, Instead, I actually wanted to talk a bit about some other topics that are totally unrelated. Uh, One is the new Matrix trailer that came out. So if if you're a techie like me, I'm sure that The Matrix has to hold some kind of special place in your heart as a film. Uh, I want to also talk about the announcements from Apple this week and specifically the controversial automatic reporting of CSAM content uh, that Apple was talking about back in August. So first, let's jump into this Matrix trailer because I got to tell you, The Matrix has always held that special place in my heart. It's, I think it's one of the coolest plots for a movie with crazy good dialogue, amazing cinematography, and who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Come on. Um, and pretty much every techie person that I know loved that movie. Um, there's just something really magical about the film that even after 20 years still manages to pull on my emotions. Now, whenever a beloved movie from my past is getting a modern day sequel or remake, I get really nervous. I get really, really nervous because sometimes it works and it works really well. You know, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I think were a great example of how to do it right. But there have been plenty of examples of this where it didn't land well. So I'm I'm just really hoping that Resurrections doesn't become one of the bad ones. Now, uh, the new trailer, it is a bit of an enigma. And if you haven't seen it yet and don't want to be spoiled, just go check it out right now and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode, okay? All right, did you watch it? Good. Okay, good. So now, if you're into fan theories, there were no shortage of them after this trailer debuted. Uh, one idea is that based on the description, the movie actually might take place immediately after the first movie, potentially eradicating Reloaded and Revolutions from the canon. I'm not sure if that's accurate. I think that would be really hard to pull off. Um, But to be perfectly honest, the sequels I don't think ever held up to the original, in my honest opinion. But you could still have fun watching them nonetheless. Um, Something else that's interesting is that the the new actor that's playing a young Morpheus in the movie kind of led me to think, okay, is this a prequel? Are they going back in time? You know, what's, what's going on here? But this is interesting because Keanu Reeves was actually already confronted about this and confirmed that this is not a prequel or apparently a time travel movie. His exact words were, no, no, no going in the past. Um, So, yeah, I'm really curious to see, you know, what the dynamic is here because you've got Neo and then Trinity at their same ages or what appears to be their same ages from the original movies. And then you have a young Morpheus. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, You know, another theory still is that uh, this is based after Revolutions, where people are still in the Matrix, but now everyone gets a choice to remain to some extent. Um, and this would hold water with the idea because, you know, they're they're giving blue pills to Neo in the movie, and he's taking them. He's seeing a shrink or whatever, and you know, Neil Patrick Harris is playing that. So that could be uh, kind of the, the, the underlying plot. So, and of course, the return of Trinity herself is got me wondering, because considering that, it appeared at the end of Revolutions, she died, right? She gets impaled many times and then stops talking. So it's implied that she's dead. But if she is, then who is this Trinity we're seeing now? You know, it's, it just gives you more to think about. Um, given the title of the film is Matrix Resurrections, plural, uh, that implies multiple people are being brought back. So I guess that makes sense. Uh, you know, maybe her and Neo were healed after everything that happened in the last movie, had their memories wiped, and then were reinserted into the Matrix like Cypher originally wanted. That'd be kind of neat. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm super excited because the trailer I thought was really good, and I thought it didn't really answer or set up anything that anyone can really understand. 
You know, it had all of the elements that I want to see in a trailer for a movie that I care about. It had action. It brought back fan favorites, slightly different looks. You know, there were new characters being introduced that I thought were interesting. Um, So it had all of that, but it didn't really explain anything about where it's picking up and where, you know, where what movie it's leaving off from, and it's not really setting the stage for anything except to get me intrigued, which I like. I like I like trailers that get me interested without telling me the whole story in the trailer. There's too many movies nowadays where I can watch the trailer and say, oh, this guy killed this guy, and that's the ending of the movie, and I can figure it out just by watching the trailer. This is not one of those. This is one where I'm definitely scratching my head and wondering, what are they going to do with the story? And I'm really excited about it. Now, if you're interested in these kind of fan theories, I got to tell you, there's a really cool channel on YouTube called The Matrix Explained, and they have a ton of videos with various theories on the old films and the new trailer alike, and this guy that does these videos, he pulls out all the stops. I mean, he's looked at every facet of The Matrix, including written material, animated series, even looked at edits uh, that were made to the original script after um, they, they screened the movie, and if you want to lose a few hours of your life and really tumble down the rabbit hole, again, check those guys out on YouTube. It's The Matrix Explained. So also let me know what you guys thought about the new trailer. Are you guys excited as I am to see how this turns out? You know, Let us know. Okay, moving on from The Matrix. Let's talk about the Apple event. So their big product reveal was this week. They showcased a new watch, iPad, and of course the iPhone 13. My initial thoughts, now first of all, I'm not an Apple guy. I, I do use Google devices, uh, you know, just personal preference. My wife is an Apple person. I'm a Google person. But my initial thoughts when I read through the announcements were that the products just don't seem to be all that revolutionary. You know, to be fair, that seems kind of par for the course over the past few years, but they just, they don't. They don't seem all that revolutionary. I, what I did see was essentially performance size and capacity improvements across the board. You know, the iPhone 13 Pro is getting a one terabyte option for local storage. Okay, cool. Um, some decent improvements to the camera system on the Pro devices, uh, better battery life, which is kind of a expected thing nowadays, and an improved processor and display. Now, don't get me wrong, all of this sounds great, but the real question is how much of a general leap is this over the iPhone 12? And more specifically, if you don't go with like a Pro model, how much better really is it compared to that previous generation? To be perfectly honest, it feels to me like professional photographers and videographers are going to love it. But if you're just an average Joe, do you really care about things like telephoto? I don't know. Maybe you do. I, I really don't know. Um, and yeah, there were other announcements other than just that. They, you know, they talked about the new watch and the new iPad and their services like Fitness Plus and Apple TV Plus, but none of that really blew my hair back. So I'm, I am curious to hear what you guys thought about the announcements and if any of you uh, are looking to get one of these new devices, and specifically if you um, had a, a like an iPhone 12 or an 11, and you're looking to upgrade, let us know. I'm curious, you know, what are the the big draws that are going to pull people to actually buy the new device? I mean, if you're one of those guys that just gets the newest iPhone every year automatically, I mean, you can tell us in the comments. By all means, feel free to voice your opinion. But what I'm really interested in is for the people who have specific things that are making them pull the trigger on that purchase. I'm curious what those are because I really don't know. All right, now there's one other big topic that I want to talk about, and that's Apple's uh, talk that they had back in, or maybe not talk, their announcement that they made back in August that they've since backtracked a little bit regarding CSAM. Um, So let's start with the obvious, okay? Child abuse is bad. That should go without saying. But what Apple announced and then pulled back on regarding this topic 
is something that we should all be aware of. And and this isn't limited to just Apple either. So let's just take a minute to talk about it. So first, what did they actually say about CSAM and their products exactly? Well, back in August, Apple announced an ambitious plan to roll out a new technology called NeuralHash that would actively scan the libraries of all iCloud photo users looking for image hashes that match known images of CSAM. They also noted that there would be no way to opt out of on-device scanning within this system. And what this means is that Apple had planned to roll out a system whereby every photo you take on your phone would be automatically scanned by this AI neural mesh, mesh thing to make a determination of whether or not the imagery contained child sexual abuse material. And if it did, the plan was to forward these incidents to the authorities for action. Now, on the surface, it's easy to see this as a 100% positive idea. Nobody likes children being abused. No one should have a problem with, a, with those abusing children getting their comeuppance. But that's a very surface-level understanding of what Apple is proposing here. The issue that everyone took, uh, uh, took with this is that Apple feels it has the right to invade their customers' privacy regardless of the reason they are using to do it. Uh, starting with something as unobjectionable as child porn just gives them a justification that's hard to argue against. However, what's to say that next year Apple starts adding other capabilities to scan and report contact content uh, from your private photo library and without your consent? This is the main concern that the masses voiced when this policy was first discussed and ultimately led to a September 3rd decision by Apple to take additional time to collect input and make improvements before releasing these features. Now, don't get me wrong. There were other features mentioned as part of their quote-unquote expanded protections for children that I think are pretty solid ideas. Automatically warning children and parents when sending or receiving sexually explicit photos I think is a great idea. As a father of a young child myself, I constantly worry about the day that she's going to have unfettered access to the internet and creating accounts on various platforms. You know, social media participation can be a very dangerous thing for young kids, especially when there's a lack of appreciation for the permanence of data online. Having a method to pre-screen content your child is trying to send is a great tool for parents to become the last line of defense. And I have no issue with that tool because it is local to the device and doesn't involve Apple having access to the content in question. And there is something else worth mentioning about CSAM and other providers like Google. Now, Google Photos has actually been performing automatic CSAM detection against its users for some time now, but there's one core difference between Apple and Google in this regard, and that's simply that Google only scans the photos you upload to its cloud, never directly on the device. Apple's tool would automatically scan for this content on the local device and automatically report that content to authorities when detected. So if you want to take pictures using your Android device but not have those pictures auto-upload to Google Photos, you can get away from Google's automatic scanning and reporting. But what Apple was proposing would work at the local device level regardless of the user's intention to upload to iCloud. So what do you guys think about all this auto-scanning and reporting stuff? You know, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm sure that there's people on both sides of the fence on this one, and I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. Now, before we wrap up today's podcast, there are a few Unraid-specific things that I want to call attention to, and specifically content creators. There's been a few that have been doing some really awesome work showing people the ropes on Unraid. So first up, we have our friends over at EbraCorp. If you haven't checked these guys out yet, they have a plethora of videos. But most recently, they did videos such as setting up Proxmox on Unraid as a VM. And the other one was using Pterodactyl, uh, the Docker container Pterodactyl, to manage multiple game servers from a single panel. 
So regardless if you're just learning how to get started or you've been using Unraid for a while, if you want to go even further with your setup, give those guys a watch. Now that's Ibracorp, that's I-B-R-A-C-O-R-P on YouTube. Now another channel I have to draw attention to is KP Tech Tips. Recently they put out a video specifically showing how to get almost any UPS uh, working on Unraid with the use of the uh, Nut plugin. It's also worth noting that they're a newer channel and they're doing a promotion right now where they're going to give away three Unraid basic registration keys once they hit 500 subscribers. Last I checked, I think they were at 442. So uh, setting up the UPS is hardly the only video that he's done on Unraid. And so be sure to check out his channel and enter to win a free key. That's KP Tech Tips on YouTube. Uh, last but not least, though, I got to bring up our friendly Space Invader one because he has not slowed down at all recently and has published a ton of videos all focused on ZFS on Unraid. Now, knowing that ZFS is coming to the future of Unraid OS as a basic feature, these videos do a great job of explaining why ZFS and the various ways that you can set it up using uh, VMs or plugins today. So just make sure you check out his channel for that and other Unraid content uh, at Space Invader One on YouTube. Okay, well, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Like I said, definitely going to be a shorter one today. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.